I'm Kevin Bachman. On this episode of Background Check Radio, an honest, tough, but necessary conversation with Equifax about their smart screen product, where it fits in the market, and our take on whether CRAs would ever get on board. Stick around. Today's episode is the audio recording of a product spotlight my iCubed Advisors partner Jason Morris and I did about a new offering in the market that, quite honestly, is being derided by CRAs and treated with skepticism, if not outright hostility. But I encourage you to listen to the conversation, not because I want you to like it, not like it, whatever, I don't care, but because it will, one way or another, affect your company. And this is why Jason and I choose to talk about these things on our Product Spotlight series. It's why we think you need to hear it. Hope you enjoy. Thanks everybody who's who's joining us today. Really excited to have Derek Jones and, and Joe Berlin from Equifax join us to talk about their smart screen product. Um, you know, every time we speak, whether it's podcast, the webinar, PBSA, we always start by thanking the audience. Everybody's got a day job. Everybody's got things going on. Time is valuable and you chose to spend an hour with us. So really, really excited everybody uh, wants to be with us today. Uh, real quick, we'll tell you something about IQ before we, we hop in and... Um, start asking some real tough questions, have a candid conversation with our guests. But uh, Jason and I are partners in iCubed Advisors, which is a full-service consultancy to the employment screening industry. We do recruiting, we do M&A, we'll do um, operational efficiencies, we look under the hood, we help people improve their business practices, their compliance practices, basically. Um, We all kind of found ourselves, everybody on the call, the four of us included, we found ourselves very randomly in the employment screening industry, but we've made it our career. We love what we do, and we love serving as as outside advisors to screening companies. So um, our website, iCubed Advisors, if you want to learn a little more. But uh, Jason, nobody came here to hear us. Um, well, they came here to, to, to hear us talk to Derek and Joe. Um, but why don't we, we start there, guys? Uh, Equifax announced a new product a couple months ago at PBSA would... Love to hear you tell us a little bit more about it, uh, what the market reaction is, and and then we'll just have a real open, frank conversation for the next 45, 50 minutes or so. And yeah. as a reminder, uh, we've opened up the Q&A, so if you want to yes. shoot some questions over on the Q&A, we'll try to get to them uh, maybe throughout the presentation, but most likely at the end. Uh, we, we're going to try to cover, we, we hope to cover every question you might have. We've written down a bunch of things that we want to ask them, uh, but I'm excited about this one. Um yeah, we have 22 questions for Joe yeah. and Derek. So yeah. there's I mean, no shortage of things we want to talk about. For those of you who listened to us in the past, you know that you know we're big on innovation. And this is an industry that people just have failed to innovate over and over again. And when I say people, I mean people within our industry have been failing to innovate. Uh, we've seen a lot of the innovation come from outside. Uh, we've seen startups in Silicon Valley. We've seen um, you know companies all over the country and actually in Israel and, and overseas have developed new products for this industry and I kind of take that uh, the wrong way because I think that innovation should be coming from us. Which so I was excited to see uh, this new product that that these guys came up with. Um, before we get started, little known fact: uh, Joe uh, worked for us at Employees Screen IQ for a very long time. Joe was our our head, uh, one of our heads of client service. He handled our top clients, including United Airlines and some other very large enterprise level clients. And then Joe made his way into sales, where he just crushed it for us. So, you know, it's been great to see people that used to work for Employee Screen IQ, and there's several of them that have really um, progressed in the industry. Joe's been promoted about a thousand times over at Equifax. I'm really proud of what he's done over there. So um, excited to have you guys on today. Yeah, and spent the last few years trying to block all that time out that he that he spent with us. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and and before we jump in and 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 turn it over to these guys to give us a, a product um, intro, uh, we're not shilling for this. We have just as many questions and and feedback and things we'd love to hear about them from from you guys. So, and you'll certainly hear it with the things that we're talking about. But this this will be a really honest, straightforward conversation. I'm really really excited about it. Well, let us uh, have one it. Of the reasons Jason said, "Yeah, come on, guys. What's what's throw, this throw about?" Tell us what this is all about. I think this is kind of neat. Yeah, I'll get us started. And uh, couldn't agree more, Kevin. Just really appreciative of the time of the audience. Um, there's a lot of different things you could be doing. We're super excited about this product. I'm excited that uh, you folks were, um, you know, interested enough to spend this time with us. 
For those of you who I haven't met yet, my name is Derek Jones, and I'm a leader of product within Equifax Workforce Solutions. And I'm incredibly excited to tell you about this truly innovative product in SmartScreen. So SmartScreen is a solution that we describe as a more efficient first step in the background screening process. At a really high level, when you interact with SmartScreen, you're doing so with a social security number and the response that you're going to get is either a consumer report indicating the absence of incarceration or sex offender records uh, for that given applicant. It's a consumer report. It's actionable. It's something that immediately you can move forward with a hiring decision around. In some circumstances, the other uh, response you will get from this product is something called more research is needed. That's simply an indicator that for a variety of reasons, you need to follow a typical background screening process. So I buried the lead a bit. The headline is this response is instant, meaning in an instant, we're talking sub-second for the vast majority of responses we're providing, you're going to know instantly based on, uh, again, those two responses. Do I need to follow a typical workflow? Or can I use this product to move forward uh, in that in providing to employer to make a hiring decision? Anything you'd add there, Joe? No, I think you covered it well. So I got I have a quick just interrupt question here. Uh, for, for those of our audience that aren't on the product side and maybe you're just in service or you know maybe getting into sales or new to the newer to the industry, um, explain this product to me like I'm an idiot and I'm just getting into the industry. Um, or I'm an HR person and you're really introducing it. So explain it like very like an elevator. What would your elevator speech be for a product like this to somebody that just doesn't know what they're what the industry that well? Yeah. If you have any clients that care about turnaround time, speed to hire, candidate experience, use this as the first step in your background screening process. By providing us simply with a social security number, you get to leverage the power of Equifax credit header information, the unique proprietary uh, assets that we have in-house uh, with our incarceration data as well as our sex offender data to confidently understand whether there's an absence of risk related to those two data sets for your applicant. And in the scenarios where there is, we're putting on a consumer report that there are no records found for incarceration data or sex offender data, and you can confidently move forward in the hiring process with that result. So really what you're saying is you're you're selling the absence of records in your system. That's exactly it, right. You yes. guys have this powerful database of billions of records, whether it be criminal records or whatever. Um, you're saying, hey, Joe Schmo is not in our system. You can move on and hire this person. That's exactly right. And when you think of that traditional background screening workflow, Jason, it's a workflow and a response that people are very familiar with already. You know, if we're just aggregating all responses right now, we would say only about 20% of all volume that we see actually has records that need to be looked at underneath a search, right? The other 80%, whether you're doing primary court research, whether you're simply looking at an act crim, they don't have results linked to them. So we're really leaning into um, this idea that you, you can quickly come to a perspective of whether risk exists within those two specific data sets and be able to confidently put on a report that there's an absence of risk. It's a little bit on its head when you think of more traditional background screening process, but the impact is profound, again, for the vast majority of applicants. So, Okay, so let's take a step back. So you said, I want to make sure that I understand this correctly. And this, sorry, this wasn't on my questions before, but sure. you're saying that in your experience, only 20% of the searches that you guys conduct require anything more than a, uh, a clear. Yeah, thereabouts, right? I'm just speaking in generalities. The headline is the vast majority of searches that come through. And I think experience in the marketplace would um, yield the same type of result. The vast majority um, are, are not going to yield any results that would prevent the person being moved forward in the hiring process. Okay, interesting. And I wonder how those numbers are, if you guys have done any intelligence with your, with your end user customers on how that 20% ties in with their overall statistics. Is it more like 20 or is it more like 10? And they're, they're weeding things out further because of adjudication matrices. Um, are, are, you know, that's actually brings up another question for the future. So let's table this question, but 
you know, will there be an opportunity maybe in the future to plug a, our clients or end users' clients adjudication matrices into that part of the system so that 20% gets down to 5% like or something like that? Yeah, super great questions. Go ahead, Jim. Yeah, I was just going to say, one of the things I think we're most excited about um, is that this product, it first came about because of the industry, right? Market research. Um, when you look at things like uh, whether it's SHRM or PBSA talking about the number one indicator for hiring managers or talent acquisition is time, right? Time to hire and, and that efficiency. And this solves that problem in its current state. But the direction that the product itself can go is, I mean, it can go in so many different directions. And internally at Equifax, we have a ton of smart people thinking about all the different directions this product could go. But the driver of where this product is going to go is ultimately going to be the industry. Yep. So, okay, so taking another step back. You, you and I can't do this webinar together because both of us have three hours worth of questions. I know, I know. <laughs> and we should have done this separate. So... Um, so I was looking at your the, the workflow charts. We're obviously not going to put that up on the screen or anything and, and some of the stuff that you guys sent me. Explain to people listening how it works. Like visually, yeah. I got a candidate all the way down to he's got a record, doesn't have a record, where that goes in the system without using your hands like I am right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everything starts with a social security number. That social is um, input into a search of our credit header data. When I say our, we're talking about Equifax. Um, so it is our credit header information and we're yielding all the relevant information that you would need to run subsequent searches. So that's names, aliases, dates of birth, address history, state of issuance, you know, the list goes on and, and I'm sure you all are very familiar with it. Um, we're using that data then to determine, do we have appropriate coverage in the places where someone has lived with respect to our risk data? So specifically incarceration, and then separately a sex offender database. If the answer is yes to that question, we're then running a search to see, do we yield results in the sex offender database or in the incarceration data nationwide? If the answer is yes to either of those, and there's some other conditions along the way that could create a scenario where we're providing a more research as needed output. What that means is either we couldn't, um, you know, locate person data for that social. We have the presence of risk records. We don't have appropriate coverage, et cetera. Those are all scenarios where we would say it's best if you follow a traditional process, but in the absence of risk records in that sex offender database or in the incarceration data. That's when we're producing a consumer report that says no incarceration or sex offender records found for this individual. And we're providing all of the details that were contained in the header information about what names we searched, where they've lived, during what time periods, et cetera. Yeah. So Jason, go on mute for like six minutes, okay? My <laughs> turn. There's a lot of things Equifax can provide near instantaneous. And there's like 11 follow-ups after this, right? Why incarceration records? Yeah, that's a great question, Kevin. When you look at incarceration data, especially as we talk about the data set that we have access to, we describe it as proprietary because it truly is. When we think of that data, it's very unique in how high the fill rates are on person data. So we have 99.9% .9 fill rates on name plus date of birth, very high fill rates on social address driver's license. So when we think of using that data, we can form very accurate matches on it. And it's data we have sitting here, it's getting updated as frequently as every 15 minutes from our entire coverage area. And so when we're forming matches, we can do so quickly and accurately on that data. But what really unlocked the value of this product was understanding what is the relationship between that data and when we think of adjudicated court information. We believe that the relationship between those two data sets is strong enough that we're willing to bear a product like this in the marketplace and put it on a consumer report. Yeah, so, and it, uh, no, no, you got five minutes left. You're on mute, man. You're done. You're done. So for part part of um, you know, I asked why this data. Yep. And and you know, a question does not always imply an opinion, right? But 
115 people listening here. And I think some of them are going to think this product for the price, which we'll get to in a second, this is thin. And, and, and we've heard that, that, you know, of all the data out there and all the things that we do as part of a criminal background check and all the things that Equifax can do, Equifax chose this. And love the innovation and love the the, the conversation around where and how within the hiring process. But, you know, what, what do you guys think if, if, you know, the feedback you get? So really the question is about what are you hearing from prospective buyers? Because some of the things that we're hearing is, hey, for just this slice of data, yeah, really important jail or no jail, but you can get that in other places. Like, why yes. this for that? The price. That's a, that's a really good question. And I'm going to ask Derek to hop in here at some point and help me with this. But um, I, I think that's actually a, a missing piece to this entire conversation because, Kevin, you, you described it as being thin, right? You described it as being just this data. I, I think there's a lack of understanding completely of what insights incarceration, you know, Equifax's incarceration data is uh, and what it is. Right. This isn't arrest data that's found on your typical mm -hmm. app. Right. This is proprietary incarceration data directly from the source. Right. Um, and is rich in candidly rich in PII. Right. Something that the courts are, are moving away from. I would argue that our incarceration data is much stronger than a lot of the court data you may be getting from runners in California. Right. Missing date of birth. You know, missing missing other pieces of, of PII taking up to a month to come back. I would argue the opposite, that the incarceration data is much thicker than a lot of the court data that's being used currently in the in the background screening process. And a lot of that has to do with a lot of the archaic ways. And I use the term archaic because I actually heard that uh, in a conversation around smart screening. The background screening industry and the, the way background checks are typically done, it's become quite archaic. It's, it's a very old school way of collecting data in any other industry. So we, we had, and uh, there, there was a question and it's pretty similar. I would have asked it if the question didn't pop in, right? But I think it's a pretty valid sentiment that, that you know, we hear from buyers. And I imagine if we hear it five times, you hear it 50. But, you know, the sentiment is like, hey, man, it's a struggle for me to sell this at 50, it like, like it's a struggle for us to sell all the things that go into a $50 background check because somebody's going to want 48 and, and a competitor is going to do it for 47, et cetera. How can I like, A, help me understand the value at, you know, a hundred bucks and then B, help me kind of make that argument to somebody else that they should spend a hundred here when they really don't even want to spend 50 here. Yeah. So we we're actually extremely confident uh, in the value that the product provides uh, and the price is reflective of that. Um, understanding um, that our CRA partners want to understand that better. Uh, our marketing team has worked diligently and we've put together some sales enablement that we're willing to work with any CRA on and walk through and talk through all of those processes. But I mean, I don't know if Derek, you have anything else to add, but I, we're, we're pretty confident that the price is reflective of the value that's yeah. out there. Um, yeah. and, you know, between this yeah. small group of 100 plus people, um, we, we see the market purchasing it. Yeah. All right, Jason, you're off the sidelines. You can um, come back in. I'll, before we get into pricing, because I have more, I have more value proposition um, questions, but I want to understand still the product a little bit better. And there's a lot, we, we've got already 11 questions from the audience. So we'll want to <laughs> spend time jumping into those. But a lot of them are duplicative. So, um, so understanding the product, if, if I if I do a, a search on Kevin Bachman and uh, the incarceration database tells me that there is a record on Kevin Bachman, um, but then a client hired Equifax two months ago to do a background check on Kevin Bachman needed a county search through your other services. On the county search, um, that record that you found on Kevin Bachman came back as a dismissed case. Does that reconcile in the system? Yeah, so it actually reconciles before you get to that point. Derek, you keep me honest here. But when you receive a more research is needed, we're indicating to you that there is the possibility of an incarceration record, right? And, and at that point, you should default to your traditional background check. So at no point should that more research is needed ever be used as a consumer report, right? And so you have already gone through that traditional process to find that that record had been 
adjudicated or dismissed. Is this product standalone in the fact that if I hire you and we haven't talked about the price yet for this product on Kevin Bachman, this one name, um, if more research is needed, is that included in the price or is that a separate work path and separate product offering? Yeah, so so good question. Um, what I will say is as it sits today, if more research is needed as of today, um, and there is a deadline on that, um, there is no charge for more research as needed. Right? Okay. And and Jason, you, you said something there, right? Like this product standing alone. I, I want to be really, really clear, right? Because I think this is important for everybody to understand. Smart screen was never designed to take place of a traditional background check. Okay. Smart screen was created as a supplement to the background check in instances where time is of the essence for the hiring manager or the hiring company, right? So this isn't necessarily a, a product that a company, large, small, or otherwise, would say, hey, we're gonna just start running all smart screen and that's all we're gonna run. Yeah. And we're not, and that's not what we're trying to do with the product. What we're trying to do is offer a solution that takes care of that time to hire piece that we know through Sherm and other institutions is the number one indicator for most hiring uh, hiring managers today. And, and solve that and utilize the background screening companies, our distribution network to help solve that problem for those hiring managers. Yeah, I really do feel that there's a customer for this. I mean, I remember during the, the first you know six months of the pandemic, and I wish I could find the article, I sh should have come better prepared, but there was an article that came out about UPS. They needed to hire like 75,000 people in a month. And obviously, and I was the first question I asked myself was like, how the hell is somebody do that many background checks and get these people working in one day? They literally wanted them to work within the same day they applied. Yep. And, um, you know, I, I do think that a product like this, you know, for something, an issue like that is, is, is perfect. Something that's really, you know, hockey sticking for some unknown reason whether it be the security industry because of what's going on in America and war and whatever it might be, there, yeah. there is a need for time to hire. What other industries do you really see that would, would need this? It, interestingly, um, we've seen market saturation with almost every industry um, liking it, right? And some of those, uh, you know, it, it just, it's kind of all over, right? I mean, a lot of people talk about gig, but then, you know, they get concerned about cost and get, uh, you can talk about a lot of different industries. We've seen healthcare take this. Uh, we've seen government take this uh, in our ordering and, and utilizing it uh, multiple times. Uh, but again, I go back to that scenario, you know, you brought up a pretty big scenario, right? They needed to hire 75,000 people. But what about the hiring manager in hospitality? Right. And it's the holiday season and they need to get 12 people hired. And let's say out of those 12 people, there's two of them that they're just like, we can't lose these two applicants to the competitor because we need these people. Great. Order a smart screen for those two applicants and get them starting the next day. You don't lose them to the competition and you can run the other 10 through your traditional background screening process. But uh, but all we I'll, I'll just take the other the other side for a second. And again, it gets back to that value. And I'm you know, I'm echoing sentiments of people that, that that are here today. They'll say totally agree with everything that you said, but everything we also hear in the industry is fast, fast, automated, automated, screen scrape, screen scrape. Why don't I do a trace and screen scrape counties? And yeah, if I have records, it's going to go down that record path. Same thing with smart screen, but like I, I again, it's that idea like I can't sell a trace in counties for 50 bucks and a trace in counties is going to find jail also. Like, how do I do it at this price? Well, I think time to hire is a key point and I won't belabor it more. Joe's mentioned yeah, it. That's the other that we hear a lot of feedback around is imagine that scrape and, uh, and search process is happening in New York. I mean, we all know the fees that are exist in New York. It's what, $96 a pop? What we're describing is a product that is absent that court fee. And so that's another area where we're seeing a lot. I like of that. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. That, and this is an important point. We should talk about this earlier in, the, in, in this. So go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, no problem. So that's another point of emphasis that a lot of clients are latching onto is I can get an instant result similar to what I'm getting today. 
but I can do so at a much different price point from a court access fee perspective. Um, and, and so that's another area that we see clients latching onto in addition to time to hire and what we would describe as critical hires. Yeah. What, what's some of the feedback you guys are hearing from the CRA market, you know, since, since this was launched in September, late August, September. Yeah. A lot of excitement, a lot of questions, very similar to the, the questions that we're getting now, if I'm being candid, help us yeah. understand, you know, what does it mean to, uh, publish the absence of data on a report. And that's something actually I wanted to also mention. Um, Kevin, when you, you talked a moment ago about comparing this solution to um, a trace plus a, a scrape or a county level automated search, we're also putting our names on the line, right? By putting a consumer report with Equifax stamp on it. And I don't want that to be overlooked that we're standing on this product, again, with our name, our reputation, uh, behind it as well. Um, but again, what we're hearing from clients themselves, a lot of very similar questions help us understand how does the workflow work? How do I wrap my mind around incarceration and sex offender searches? What do you mean you're giving us the absence of data? It's really been a mind shift to help folks understand like what is the value. But once it clicks, it, it really clicks and it's been transformative as clients start to imagine the impact on their own workflow. The other, the other cool thing is, and I had kind of uh, said this earlier, right, about the market kind of dictating where the product goes. On yeah. June 1st of this year, we, we launched the, the first smart screen product. Um, and then just recently, uh, we updated that product to include the sex offender data, right, and a filter for seven years. Um, those two things are direct reflections of what the market was telling us they need. Yeah, that's an, an, and actually I was bringing up a point in my head, I think, and we'll talk to Chrissy about this, but I think in like two to three months, we should follow this webinar up with what the data is telling you. People that are, who's buying this, what industries, what success rates they're having. So really maybe highlighting some of the case studies behind the yep. accomplishments that you have with the product. I think that would be really interesting to the two. Jason, you want to, you want to, uh, the, the questions are like just- We've never had as many it. questions on a webinar before. Yeah. We don't know what to do. <laughs> No, one of, it's all because Derek's here. <laughs> one of them, one of them I'd like to, and I'll kind of try right. to paraphrase it, but it's a it's it's a good disclaimer, right? So we know that the work number is a four-letter word. This is not the work number team, right? Um one of the questions though was like, hey, what happens if I hop on board with this and I persuade a client? Is the pricing structure gonna go kind of the way the work number does? And to paraphrase the one question, it's like every year the fight gets harder. Is this going to be the same? Is it going to be different? Help me understand that. So, yeah. So, I, I, I hope go, I paraphrase that right for for the person that asked it. I'll go back to that. Um, the, the pricing of the product will always be a direct correlation to the value that the market is seeing within the product. Oh, and Kevin, I I appreciate you drawing that distinction there uh, between our our counterparts at the Work Number and Insights, um, and we are. We're open uh, to work and discuss and take this thing to market um, with our CRA partners, right? This isn't an absence of our CRA partners. This is something we want to do collectively with them. The other thing I'd highlight too, I mean, we can make all the promises in the world, um, but really look at our actions to date to understand how we intend to continue to behave in the future. And what I mean by that is, Joe referenced the first version of this product that we rolled out. And we since rolled out new versions of the product that are inclusive of additional filters, additional data sets. And if you were to look at price from then to now, it's remained the same for our premium product. It's actually gone down for our, our lower service level of the product. So again, this isn't just lip service. We're adding value to the product and the price hasn't changed. Yeah, I think I think the like if I'm writing an ROI calculation out for you guys to sell this, I almost want to I really want to dig down into that filtering because the labor that it takes um, and maybe even putting some IT costs into that to filter through all this mess that, that we get back at CRAs um, would be a really good part of the value prop to show. Um, and, and you do highlight it in your deck, you know, about about filtering. But I think maybe spending a little more time on on that ROI We'll, we'll, we'll do you guys a lot of good going forward. When when you guys talk about time to hire and see it as an advantage, 
Do you think time to hire, like, hey, Sherm says the hiring cycle is 42 days, do this at a different point in the hiring cycle? Or do you think of this like, hey, when we all get to water's edge and we've all found our candidate and it's day 41 and time to hire matters, do this product because it's going to be a day cheaper than a traditional screen. How do you kind of, you know, of those two time to hire examples, where does this best fit? I think it fits in both, Kevin. I, I think that's going to be, I think that's going to be dictated by the end user, right? Where, where is, you know, every company's time to hire and the efficiencies that they need to input is going to be different based on their hiring process. And we know working in this industry that every single company is different. Right. And so I think that's going to be dependent on the company that's utilizing. I, I, I think that's a great answer. Right. And I've, um, you know, we've, we've talked about it a little, maybe in the next half hour, we'll talk about it more, but um, I think that's a great answer because I think, and, and you guys said a minute ago, like the market sees value in this and this is why we've priced it where we've priced it. And I think everybody's an adult here and we all make our own decisions and some CRAs may hop right on board and some CRAs may say, uh, I don't like it because of the work number and some employers may just buy this directly and some might go through their CRA partners. So I think, I think all these things can be true at the same time. And I think from our vantage point where Jason and I kind of sit in the industry, part of the reason we wanted to have this conversation today, this is absolutely fascinating. Yeah. Where within the screening, where within that hiring 42 day timeline do screening services happen? Are we sick and tired of getting beat up because it's not our fault that it took 41 days to make a decision? Now you're going to come after us because, you know, we need an extra day to find an identifier. All the things that we felt for years um, that, that yeah. kind of really pigeonhole us in the space. And there's some new products, not just from Equifax, but from others that are they're trying to address that. Yeah, 100%. And, and we could, I mean, we really could go down the path of, and this could be a four-hour conversation easily, right? Uh, but one of the things that you mentioned there, Kevin, was, you know, the time to hire, where does that fall into that hiring individual or hiring organization's time frame, right? Is it beginning? Is it at the end? Like, where, where is that? Where's the background screening process fall in there? Um, you know, the other thing to look at is the cost to hire, right? Um, we obviously, as an industry, as a business, we don't want the cost to hire to go down. We want it to go up and we should all want the same thing, which is a bigger piece of that cost to hire, right? We want a bigger percentage of that cost to hire. And I think anybody on this call would argue that the background screening process is probably one of the most important processes within that hiring uh, spectrum, right? Interestingly, it's the only one where the costs of it have gone significantly down over the years, right? And it's something that I think the industry as a whole really needs to start thinking about. Um, really start to think about everything else in the hiring process, whether it's placing ads, it's the cost of your recruiting manager and them having to do interviews, all of those things, the costs have gone up. Yep. Uh, so I think it's something that the industry really, the background screening industry and our partners really need to start thinking about wrapping their heads around and, and driving the screening and the risk mitigation aspect of, of this process. Forward. I, I tell you, I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, you know, and maybe resents too strong a word. Maybe it's not, but it takes you 42 days, man, to get somebody in that seat and everything you just said, the interviewing, the costs, whatever. And it's me that's got to give you another buck and a quarter. Mm -hmm. So I, I love conversations about how do I get not only that buck and a quarter back, but have a heck of a lot more because I'm providing you some real value. Yep. Um, and, and I think regardless of what people may think about Equifax, um, and again, this is not the work number team here. I think we can all agree with that sentiment. Yeah, you know, we, Kevin, we deserve we deserve a big as screeners. We deserve a bigger piece of the pie for what we're able to do. Yeah, and Kevin, I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna draw it back to something from like 2009. Uh, 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011, because I think we got the email every year at Employee Screen IQ. But around the holiday times, there was an email that went out every single year by Kevin. Um, and I think one of the important things that, that we're missing in that conversation, Kevin, is we're talking about the hiring manager's time. But what about the individual that's sitting down waiting to get the job? Yeah. What about the family that's waiting to get the job or the new the, the individual who just graduated college? And yeah, they have a degree, but guess what? They've got some debt now too, and they need to get a job and they need to get it fast. And they're up against other candidates, right? The time to hire, it's extremely important to those individuals as well. Yeah, yeah. So we have about, I'm just blown away, 30 questions almost right now. <laughs> um, I'm going to ask you 
a few very quick questions, some yes or no questions, so that we can get into some of these questions that'll create some more discussion. Um, but let's talk about price. Um, and that's going to probably generate some more questions. W what are you selling this to CRAs for? What are you selling this to end users for um, quickly? And then let's talk about the value proposition. Let's get into some of the questions. Yeah, so end users right now, it's 159. Uh, CRAs, it's 119. Yeah, 119. And that's for the enhanced product. Okay. Okay. And all right, you asked for a fast answer, Jason. You got it. That's your fast answer. Okay. What's so next? now the most important question that I have um, out of all of these, do you indemnify the person using this for negligent hiring lawsuit? So I run your search. It says no record found. That person walks into the office and, you know, sexually harasses or beats somebody up, whatever it might be. Are you indemnifying the CRA or the end user you're selling them directly to? Jason, we're confident enough, again, to put the result on a consumer report and stand behind it. If we want to get through the specifics of what's our legal posture, what does that contract look like, more than happy to have those conversations one-on-one -on -one with CRA partners. Very political answer. <laughs> you know what's really interesting, Jason, and I really didn't think about this till just now. You, you know, you come to that fork in the road moment with a client and we think about costs and we think about inside of our operations. We're grinding out that 29% margin on a 42% price point. And it's like, do you want to spend 119 at the beginning? Or do you want to spend 42 at the end? Yeah. And, and, and even as CRAs, we may feel differently about that. Like, would we rather market up 30 bucks? And, and you know, it's a lot of difficult conversations, you know? And, and so anyway, so it just kind of well, popped I, in my head. Cause we, we tend to be like, we got to un un every stone and we got to look through it. But, but sometimes buyers don't want that. I, I kind of asked it from an, I do a lot of expert witness work and, you know, a lot of the work that I do is the background screening company either did or didn't find something. And when they didn't find something, it's usually a negative hiring lawsuit. So, you know, my job as an expert witness, when I step in there is to say, well, as a standard in the industry, here's what most companies do X, Y, and Z. Um, I don't know that I can make that claim with this first of all, cause it's new. So it hasn't been widely adopted yet. So it's not a standard. Um, and it might be in, in a year, two years, three years, but how do you bridge that gap of, you know, this whole industry being created to have in-depth records and, and absence of records so you can protect yourself against those and high losses? Yeah. When we look at performance of the product, Jason, we're tracking every scenario where we're not providing a result or we are, we're continuing to do testing to understand, um, the results that we're providing What's the relationship between those and what you would see on a typical, um, you know, hiring process where you're actually going to the primary port source. And so we're going to continue to refine the solution, but we're very confident, again, in the relationship that exists between that incarceration data and other um, port information. And it's only going to get stronger over time. Yep. I again, I like it. I mean, I think that you're, you're causing major disruption in the industry that's been right for it for a very long time. And you got the cojones to do it. And I, I really admire that. Um, I'd like to get it, Kevin, if you don't have any more, I'd like to get into these questions. You want to answer a lot of them are duplicative. So we can kind of start with the first and see where it goes. Yep. I agree. Lightning round. All right. Lightning round. <laughs> um, so please define the scope of incarceration records. What's included. Um, what about open and pending cases? Cause that's usually a large percentage of what people see. Yep. When you think incarceration records, think cell door shut, right? It's all of the biographical information that you would provide as you're going through the booking process. Um, what was the second question about? Was it dismissed cases? Dismissed and pending cases. Yeah. So Joe touched on that a bit earlier. Again, when we think of pending dismissed cases within the courts, um, we wouldn't expect a strong relationship between those two data sets when we deal with that data in particular. We have means of addressing that on the back end. Okay, but even on the back end, you know, when you're selling this directly to an end user for $159, you're including that back end into that cost, correct? Correct, yes. So, okay. All right. Um, all right. So uh, 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 I'll jump in and summarize a couple of these um, because this, this, I think, is really a you know, what does Equifax feel? Does Equifax feel this will supplement the traditional screen? 
I, I know before you guys said you you wanted it to, right? Do you feel it will replace? Like, what's your read of the tea leaves going forward? No, as smart screen sits today, it, it is built as a supplement to the traditional background screening process. Everything that we're doing truly is market driven. We would love to continue to uncover the market alongside our CRA partners. Yeah. And and that's where, again, ironically, counterintuitively, maybe not in the best interests of everybody here on this call, but that's that's where I feel there's higher, lower adoption, right? Inside of our space, really hard to reconcile 119 incarceration only supplementing the broader $50. Like it's just, it, 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 it's a difficult equation to wrap your head around. Yeah. And I users, and, sorry, end users. And that's why I feel this is ultimately a product that end users will, will go for. 119, 159, whatever. Like I just, I, I, I counterintuitively think that the reception may be a little different. Yeah, I I, I don't disagree with you. I, I think that uh, that is the that's when we talk about the perception. Derek had mentioned it a while ago, right? There needs to be a bit of a perception change, and you know, uh, our team. I had said it earlier. We want to hop in with our CRA partners, and when we say hop in, I mean I, I want to work with your sales guys. We we can walk them through this value. We can walk them through all the different scenarios that they may run into with an end user, and really help them get this uh, to the end user and be able to understand the product. I mean, we're not we're not just here like, hey, you guys, you know, come buy this smart screen product and, and good luck. It's no, we want to hop in. We want to help you do this, and we want you to help us develop this thing for the future. But I imagine if I, if I own this product at, at Equifax or I'm the CEO of Equifax, I'm thinking to myself, like, yeah, I'm going to sell this to CRAs, but my real bread and butter is going to be selling this direct to the end users, correct? I mean, that's got to be your mat where your mass appeal is going to be, right? Um, so we've gotten that question a lot. I think that's a question that's been resonating with the industry since Insights was acquired by Equifax. And what I'll tell you is that our fastest way to the market, our fastest way to get the market to buy this is through our distribution network. And that's our CRA partners. Good. Kevin, where do you want to go? And and, and that's where I, you know, I think for now, yes, I think all things are going to be equal, right? Uh, Different products across the Equifax product line, you know, I've noticed, and again, certainly with the, with the acquisitions over the last couple of years are aimed at different buyers. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll read a comment and it's a, it's a negative comment, but it, it reflects, I think, you know, a portion of the industry, uh, at the complete opposite end of the spectrum of what we're talking about. And somebody typed in, why am I even here? No hiring managers will pay this should have let off with price. You owe me 40 minutes of my life back. And, and I kind of look at that and I think to myself, like, Again, and I'm 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 pro nothing. I'm agnostic on this topic, right? Yeah. All I know is there's a six billion dollar company that feels differently about that. Yeah, I think and, there's a market so like someone's going to buy this, and it doesn't mean everybody's going to buy it. But like, I don't yeah, think and, it would be a product if they didn't if you didn't think someone would buy it. Yeah, and it shouldn't be news to anybody. I mean, nobody's hiding this, but Total Verify, which is the hub that uh, holds these products for for Equifax, is open through a few different avenues of adaptation, right? Whether that's, you know, um, uh, basically what I'm saying is, is end users have the ability uh, to purchase smart screen today through our consolidated storefront. And then to answer your question, they are. So yeah. they are willing to pay this. They are seeing the value in it. We are having these conversations. Um, I, I will say just candidly, what I think Kevin and you and I were talking about uh, from a CRA perspective is um, it's a sales thing. And I think you guys talked about this a little bit on your on your last webinar, right? It's a sales thing. You've got to be able to sell the value. Yeah. I don't, I don't know who the comment came from and certainly don't want to direct this at them, but if your bread and butter is selling $10 background screens and you're fighting for a nickel, this is going to be a difficult conversation for you. Yeah. But those same salespeople we've seen start to really rethink the way they're not just talking in the marketplace, but they're communicating to their own board around this solution. Like who in this environment wouldn't want to go to their board and say, I've got a new solution 
we can take to marketplace. Equifax is putting their name on it. And oh, by the way, here's the impact it's going to have on top line. That's been a very powerful talking point. Yeah. And, and, I, and candidly, Kevin, uh, one thing, and don't make note of this because I, I don't want Jason to be able to replay this, but um, uh, one of the things that Employee Screen IQ did- Be right, careful because this is going on the podcast. <laughs> one of the things that Jason did, one of the things that Jason did correctly at Employee Screen IQ was he taught his sales guys to sell and, and you as well, Kevin, you, you guys taught to sell on value. We never, we never sold on price and price alone. Right. Is there negotiations in there? Yes, there's negotiations in there, right? There's understanding in there, but it was based on value. I, I think that, I think, you know, and, and right, I, I read that comment not to take a swipe, yeah. um, but it's, you know, Joe, the, the, the point you made, and it's kind of the idea about 20 minutes ago, I said, and it's like, would, would I rather sell at 50 and hope I get my 29% or would I rather sell at, would I rather buy at 119, sell at 149, which is cheaper than the direct end user price and make a ton more money? I want to do both of those things, right? Yep. I want to sell the traditional after, Yep. but I, I do think whether we are pro, anti-agnostic, whatever, like, like I am, buyers are in charge. Like, but buyers are in charge. And if nothing else, this is a product that through partnership, sales material, collateral, or whatever, if it extends to a product line and the CRA can then do everything you just said, Joe, yep. and help them make more money, like, you know, yeah. okay. And that's that's just where I feel like right. the, the, the work number is really impacting, fair or not, um, work number is just driving a lot of emotion. Yeah, and I and I, I don't want to talk to you know. Yeah, and I'm I'm done with that. I don't want to. Yeah, I, I hear you. I don't want to speak to those guys. But Kevin, another point to think about too is uh, when you're talking about sales guys, right? Would I want to? Would I rather you know want to sell a, a twenty twenty five dollar background check, or would I rather sell a hundred and forty nine dollar background check if I'm making commission off that one forty nine? I'm going to be pushing that one forty nine every day of the week, right? Because inherently, you know, it's it's the difference of having to sell you know, 500 pizzas at $50 or 50 pizzas at 500. Mm -hmm. I'm a sales guy, which would I prefer to do? Yeah. And I, I, I do see value in selling a product at a $30 markup that I don't do anything I have to touch at all. So that there's, there's value there too. There's, there's, uh, there's a couple questions and I know we talked about at the beginning, but I've seen the question like four times. Can you guys talk about pending and, and open cases? Um, and, and I feel like you've given an answer, but it's come up a, a, a couple times. I think we should just yeah. revisit it. So I'll let Derek jump in on this, but I'll just say real quick in simplest terms, right? Incarceration data. As soon as you go to a booking facility, that is considered the incarceration data, right? So we are notified of that event instantly. Yeah. So as soon as you are in a booking facility, right, of any kind, that's what happens there. Yeah. And one of the backbones of this product, maybe the most important, is there is a strong relationship between the incarceration data and what we would consider to be court data, right, coming from primary court sources. So if you have a case that is open or pending, the premise of this product is we're going to have an incarceration record as well in the places where we have coverage. And so in that scenario, we would provide back an instant response that says more research is needed. That's an indicator that you need to follow um, maybe your, your typical or your in-place background screening process. And so if you have a, a process today that is, let's do a trace, let's do risk searches on a NAT crim, let's then go do primary court research, you're going to yield that open or, or pending case. That's the premise behind the product. Okay. We have, uh, we have uh, 11 minutes and 43 questions. So um, let's do some yes or no's, some lightning rounds, and some of these be, again, duplicative. Um, so we will not need to perform a NAT crim or a county statewide or a federal check if you do this. Yeah. Federal is the only place where I would draw a line. We don't have coverage of federal facilities, though there is significant overlap with other holding facilities. Reach out to us directly on that one, whoever wrote it. You've got more okay. questions. 
And uh, what is the conventional background screen that is equivalent to the smart screen product if additional research is indicated? So what are you doing beyond, if it comes back with more research data, what's the next step? Yeah, that's the response we would provide to the CRA partner. And that's an indicator that they should follow their typical process, whether that's again, trace, then do a risk search, then do um, a primary source court search or whatever that typical process is. So I thought, but if somebody's ordering directly from you, it's in, the follow-up research is included. No, so if we provide a result of more research as needed, it is not a consumer report response. It's an instant response that indicates that typical background screening workflow should, should um, be followed. Okay. But that's not coming from us. Yeah, okay. and that's a pretty granular ops question. And I was, I was like as interested, like really narrow, but really interested, like could you, would you? Or right now is it just like, hey, this is what it is? Yeah, we've got the framework today. We're going to make it as good as we can. We're going to Fine. continue to get market feedback. That's where we're at at the moment. Fine. Okay. So this is a question that I've seen a couple times pop up. But are you are you going to be are you transparent with your source list? Uh, yeah. So yeah. when when you get the user guide, uh, when you sign up for Smart Screen, you get the user guide. Uh, the entire source list is actually included in the user guide. Okay. Kevin, you want to ask some of these? Because I know you probably have a better handle. Yeah, and it's, you know, uh, I used the word earlier, I said fascinating. Um, nobody here should care about how interested you and I, Jason, are on this. You know, we do new product spotlights and demos as, as, as you know, part of the content we put out. And this is one of them, which is why we were really excited to do this. Um, but, you know, you, you have thoughts just fighting in your head with each other at the exact same time. I'm I'm glass half full on this product being sold and there being a market for it. I'm glass half empty as to whether CRAs see that, can sell it, et cetera. And I don't judge it. I I, I really don't. That's why the next six, 12 months is going to just be so interesting to see not only um, what the adoption is, but where it is. And then kind of the last thing I'll, I'll, I'll throw on that verbal salad is... Um, where are the opportunities for the CRAs that do hop on board and can do this successfully relative to those who can't? So just, it, it's a really interesting time in the space. Um, You're missing the concept of lightning round, Kevin. You're supposed yeah, to no, questions. no, sorry. <laughs> um, so, all right, what, what do we got here? Um, are you at least telling the CRA where the source is to look on the more research is needed? Today, no. Okay. So how would they know what to do? They would follow their typical process that would yield any pointers um, that they need to go do primary source research on. But, so social trace and go from yeah. there. And we, and we have those pointer products. And so if that's a question and that's a process that you want to talk through and walk through, let, let's do that. Okay. Um, if no coverage, does that mean no charge? Yeah. As Joe said, the current framework on pricing is more research is needed um, results are not charged for. So if we don't have coverage in, let's say, a location where the individual live, we're going to generate a more research as needed response. And today there is no charge for that. Got it. Okay. Um, will the product price be the same across the board? You know, will, will others be able to get this at a at a lower price point, other CRAs? Volume discounts, you know, using other your products, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, so right now the, the pricing, like I said, and we feel very confident is going to be the same across across the board. So there's no, like, higher rates not getting a better price than a small mom and pop in Alabama. Yeah, it's, it's the same across the board right okay. now. Um, okay. Um, some more comments in here. There's some commenting questions, but... I'm looking, I'm looking at a few of these. Jason, you, you and I knew ahead of time we're, we're taking some hits. Um, on whether we're shilling at my, I guess my, my point is money is to be made. Yeah. Someone's going to make money. It, it, it's why it's so interesting. It's just a matter of who. Kevin, at the beginning um, of this, you were, you were talking about book recommendations. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I just want to recommend a book. It's something I reread. It was written in 2004. Um, and I'll, I'll get the name so you can send it out to everybody, but it's called blue ocean strategy or blue ocean shift. Um, it's one that I think, Everybody in our industry should read. Uh, yes, yes. Okay. Um, Somebody asked, will Equifax provide free ongoing therapy for their CRA customers? 
<laughs> and that's a good friend of mine that asked that question. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and right to the, uh, you know, to, to the comments on, Hey, you know, or maybe we don't think you guys are playing it as down the middle as, as you're trying to, I I've already said, and I posted a podcast before PBSA. I think Equifax is going retail. I, I think, I think they're going to sell to people who want to buy. Um, I believe them when they sell it. I believe them when they say they want to partner with CRAs. I do. I also yeah. believe them when they say, Hey, there's, there's a market here. And what am I supposed to do if my CRA partner can't help me with it? Like, I, I think all those things can be true. Yeah. Um, at, at the same time. Yeah. And, and I'd, I'd ask, I'd ask that the industry ask themselves a question and, you know, we're not asking people to pay for this product up front, right? It's a, it's a usage, right? What's the harm in going to end users and finding uh, the need or the want or the value for this and then providing that to them, right? And, and at the same time, Derek had mentioned raising your, your top line revenue substantially, right? Maybe it's, maybe it's 10 smart screens a month. Maybe it's a hundred, maybe it's a thousand, right? It's going to be different for every CRA partner. It's going to be different for every end user. Uh, but Kevin, to your point, our fastest way to distribute this is through our distribution network, which is our CRA. Yeah. 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 So, and, and I still always throw a comma for now onto that. And, you know, of the things that, you know, kind of go around the industry that, you know, ah, we're a commodity, hey, we're okay. Like a lot of that, I really don't believe. Like, I don't believe it. But I do think that like, we, we, we should look for value in revenue and profit wherever it is and understand that, that, you know, to the blue ocean comment, maybe an employer client of yours would rather spend $150 right after the interview to decide, are we going to go through 41 days of this? And it's not going to be all of them. Someone's going to say yes. So, someone's going to buy this. Yep. You so, know. There's a couple of comments on here. Are we just being shills for Equifax? And, you know, I, I got to say, so Kevin and I have, have really talked about this for a couple of years of doing these product spotlights, because as we've seen, there, there's a lot of innovation not happening and it's starting to happen. Um, Equifax is one of the largest suppliers to the industry by far. Um, so, you know, having uh, a vendor to the industry be able to show their product on our, our platform is exactly what this platform is for. So, you know, you will continue to see us, you know, if things keep being invented, um, you know, putting uh, more product spotlights out there. But I got to tell you, and, and, and Joe and, and I and Chrissy and the folks of Kevin over at Equifax have been talking about doing this for a couple of months and what angle we're going to take on this. And I, I, I'm, I can't say that I, I, I love the price, but I love the product. I mean, I absolutely love the product. This is a solution that people are, that, that end users are absolutely looking for. And are people going to buy it? Well, that's the markets for where the, the time will tell. I mean, this, this will prove itself yes or no. And all signs right now say, yeah. So um, I think you guys are adding a valuable solution uh, to what, not necessarily what CRAs want to sell, but what end users want. Uh, and at the end of the day, that's what, it, what that, that's what we need to be fulfilling is what our end user clients and what the, the mass appeal for a product like this is. Um, you know, that's the direction that we got to look at in CRAs. Yeah, and and here's where right, you know, we we talk out of both sides of our mouth. If F, if Equifax can go to an end user and sell this, like we got to be good enough to be able to do it too. Because Equifax's mindset is we're going to get the money. So uh, you know, like and 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 I see them at least willing at this point in time to help through their distribution channel to do it. Now again, not 100% adoption, and I don't think this in any way, shape, or form replaces the traditional background checks that we all believe in our heart. But if if they can do it, like we at least have to be open to the idea that maybe we can too. Three yes or no questions. One, is there going to be an annual service charge or an annual fee to be to be doing this? Yeah, not that I know. There's no like subscription fee, maintenance fee. It's, it's, it's pay as you go. So that's number two then. Is there a minimum required, minimum volume required to sign up for this? No, no. Okay. I don't remember what the third one was. Oh, is it? Uh, I, and I saw this in the deck. So there, there is an API for this, so it will be integratable into you know platforms and your own platform, and it's that's available now. Hundred percent. Yep. yep. Okay. It's live. It's live now. Yep. Yeah. API. Evan, any other questions? 
I'm great. Just want to thank everybody for for joining us again. Like Jason said, this is not going to be the last we're going to do. We're going to do with platforms, do this with technology. We're going to do this with products. Anything new in our space or things we think are interesting, we're going to try and um, talk about it with the industry. And we're gonna we're gonna post this uh, this webinar, the recording of this, and I think that for people that haven't had their questions answered, a great way to get some more dialogue going is throw those questions into the post and LinkedIn and we can answer them live. Yep, or I agree. If I can fax, you know, chime in on that stuff, but we will be doing another one of these uh, shortly in the next month or so. Um, appreciate everybody for, for, for chiming in. Uh, 57 questions is by far a new world record for us. Uh, we appreciate all the questions and we'll try to get these guys to answer them either on paper or some other way uh, following this meeting. So Joe, Joe, Derek, thank you guys so much. Thanks everyone. Thanks for having Thanks, me. Thanks guys. Appreciate yeah. it. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks.